0: Now we're going to squeeze announcements in because the difference of our kind of layout today with some of the parents being gone during church, we're going to go do announcements now real quick. It's a little bit of an odd time, but um, we want to make sure you guys know what's happening and what's going on, ways that you can be involved in our community and and know how to, to be part of that and not miss that stuff. So the first thing that we've been ringing this bell every week for a while now is to register for the retreat. The retreat is getting very close. It is only two weekends away, October 23rd and 24th. A lot of you guys have registered, but some of you guys have not. So DentonNorthChurch.com slash retreat is the way to register for that. And do not forget to do that. Um, some of you guys have registered and paid. Some people are way ahead. So that's awesome. The next thing, which is a curveball to the announcements, guys. Sorry, it's, it's not on you. It's, it's me. Is the Metro Auto Ministry campaign started this past week. Um, and so if you're not on Facebook, you probably missed that. But there's a way to still donate and be part of that. At MetroAutoMinistry.org, but if you're on Facebook, it's an easier way to see some of the updates we're, we're giving. You can see like the actual slider, you know, of how much money's being raised. But every year, the goal gets larger. There's more and more people, more and more opportunities, um, and so it's a really cool thing that our church gets to be a part of. That we sort of started here and then sent out. Um, it's still part of our church, but it's its own thing too. And so, if you're not familiar with that, please check that out. The actual way to get to the campaign on Facebook is Metro is bit.ly slash Auto 2022, or you can just go look up Metro Auto Ministry on Facebook. So it's probably the easiest way. Um, and then also metroautoministry.org. So be sure to just keep up with that, pray about giving as well as just sharing it with other people. Uh, liking and sharing the post is really helpful. That seems like small potatoes, but it's actually a huge deal because pages trying to do fundraising campaigns, it all gets lost in the kerfuffle of the parkour videos uh, on your Facebook feed. I don't know what happened, but for some reason, the parkour videos and the skateboard wipeout videos like tripled in my newsfeed in the last like two years. So all the cool stuff, like, I don't know, providing practical uh, help for people who need it, gets really lost in all that. So I'm not dogging on parkour, but it doesn't really help people as much as Metro Auto does. <laughs> Sorry to say. Um, today, after church, Ryan Plaché is hosting sort of a... After church, hang, okay? Where's Ryan at? Ryan, right there he is. So follow him, follow the leader. He's going to take, just grab some food after church and walk. The challenge is to try to get over to the square and hang and picnic on the square without moving your car. So that kind of, you know, narrows in your options for food but also it can get to be that like kind of this band of misfits kind of walking down Clockwork Orange style just kidding and um and go into the square to picnic together. So, if you don't have lunch plans, please do that and just enjoy time with whoever ends up uh, being there. So, that'll be fun. After <laughs> So, next week there's two hangouts happening. Next week after church, a men and a women's hangout. So, we've got the men's hangout is going to be at North Lakes Park and the women's hangout is going to be at Mia's house, okay? So those happen at the same time, so pretty convenient. So if you've got a significant other, you guys can split up and go to the different hangouts. So the men's hangout is, on, is at North Lakes Park. It's BYO meat to grill or just bring some food. You can kind of go either way on that and hang out at North Lakes Park at the pavilions. The ladies' event will be BYO food to Mia's house, and there will be cookies and a puzzle to do together and just a lot of hanging out. I think the, I think the puzzle might be spooky. Is that right? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm seeing some nods. It's going to be a spooky puzzle, okay? So really psych yourself up for that, okay? And then, um, and that's all I've got. So I'm going to just also giving for the church itself is at DentonNorthChurch.com slash donate. And things like Metro Auto have kind of stemmed out of our giving. That's the kind of stuff that we really like to prioritize, as well as just uh, pouring time into you guys and helping the needs that you guys have too. So that's the heart of our church in terms of giving. And so if you, if you don't already give regularly, uh, Metro Auto, sorry, dang it, there's a lot of things to give to. Dentonorthchurch.com slash donate uh, is a way to either give a one-time gift or set up a recurring donation.
1: A couple announcements myself that I'm going to add into that. Um, my name is Brad, most of you know me, but one of the ministers here. Um, I know it's kind of a weird Sunday with half of our college students gone, but they are retreating this weekend, which is really cool, like we will be doing in two weeks. That's fun stuff. A um, couple things on my end, let's see. We Metro Auto Ministry it has been a ministry for a while that nobody's been involved with, but we're changing that through our BIPOC team, which is our Black Indigenous People of Color team. You're going to be seeing them more and more up here in the following weeks. Um but we've started coming up with like a resource list of, or rather a follow-up list so that people when clients come into Metro Auto Ministry and if you don't know Metro Auto Ministry, we provide free uh a lot of times or low um priced car repairs for people, do car loans, that kind of thing. So we're actually starting to follow up with those people now, which is really, really exciting. Um so that's something that the BIPOC team is doing. Um, in other news, next week Willie Hudspeth will be coming to speak to us on friendship, so we haven't heard from Willie in a long time, uh, so if you don't know Willie, Willie is um, just a civil rights activist in the area, president of the NAACP, has been for a while, um, Democrat, and his Republican son is the mayor of our city, so go figure, he's got a lot to talk about in terms of relationships, friendships, along a variety of different boundaries, that kind of thing. So that is next week. All right, final announcement, and it's a little bit of a weird one today, um, is that I will be transitioning off staff come January, okay? Many of you thought that was already going to happen when I took my sabbatical. Um, I didn't know it was going to happen. Apparently, you knew ahead of of me. Um, You know, the last couple years, uh, Leslie and I cannot agree on which one of the Fast and Furious movies is the best. I say fast five, she says Tokyo Drift, which is technically the sixth in the order, and it's just kind of come to a head, we can't agree on the issue. And so, out of respect for her, I'm going to just step down, transition out of my role. No, just kidding, I've been doing ministry now here for eight and a half years, it's been awesome, it's been great, it's like double- the time, the last longest I've done ministry, and it's been a huge honor. I plan on staying here. I plan on continuing to preach here and being involved in various leadership roles. Um, But it's time for me, and I think I really realized this as a result of my sabbatical, to step away from doing this, to have more mental space, to kind of work on a lot of things I need to work on. I'm doing the cohort, and we'll still do that. For those of you who don't know, that is a group of, of, well, we have about 18 people who um, want to be involved in pastoral ministry. And so, anyway, this is just a good thing for us. Josh and Leslie really have already been running um, our church since over the summer. I've just been in a kind of a consultant role. And so if you have any questions about that, certainly talk to me. Let me know. Um, this is kind of how our ministry works. People kind of come on staff, go off staff, come back on. And so um, this isn't like some awful weird bad thing. Um, I'll still be here again, still preaching. Um, but uh, yeah, so ask me questions if you uh, if you have any about that. So right now, we're going to dismiss the parents to go back and do parent meeting, and you guys are going to spend the rest of the service. We're going to break from the sermon, so y'all break whenever you want. And so if you're a parent, um, follow Kurt back and our um, children's ministers so you guys can talk about parental ministry. So now we can use another half of our church. Yay. Okay. Great. Well, we are going to be continuing on. Okay. And I had two pretty weird experiences this week in regard to friendships. Uh-oh. No, more lights. Um, one was a, a non-Christian friend of mine who's very adamantly opposed to Christianity. And that's actually become kind of a focal point of our relationship in a weird way. He just loves to make fun of what I'm doing. Um, but in good fun. It's, he's really not being mean-spirited or anything. Um, he asked me what I was planning this week for my sermon, because I was writing doing some work. And I told him I was planning a sermon on, you know, sort of shallow in depth or, or shallow, deep relationships, how to think through them. And his comment back to me was, he says, you probably think our relationship's pretty shallow, don't you? And I'm like, didn't really know what to say. I'm like, please leave me alone. I'm doing my sermon series. He goes, but I think it's deep. And I didn't even know how to respond, to be honest. Uh, I probably should have asked, like, well, what do you mean by that, and whatever else. But it was just caught me by surprise that, number one, this guy that I've spent quite a bit of time around, who we've never really talked about anything serious, although we've talked about religion, had something to say about our friendship. Uh, Now, our relationship is not deep, according to my way of thinking about it, but it did cause me to kind of think through, why is it that we... Use the term deep. What does that even mean? I had another in, uh, interaction this week with an elder from one of the largest churches in the Dallas area, and I kept trying to bring the conversation back to spiritual things, and all he wanted to talk about was bourbon, tobacco, and a few books that we've read. Um, I know it's kind of strange. But again, a weird experience with someone who you think, oh, we're going to have a lot in common, there's going to be depth. And it just got me thinking this week about depth in relationships and what does it mean, how deep is too deep, all of these questions that that many of which you raised in the friendship survey. And one of the things that was really obvious from the friendship survey was most of you, when you characterize your relationships as deep, expect that depth comes from the uh, sort of people in the church that you spend time with, that those are your deeper relationships. And one of the challenges that you have... Relationships outside the church is they're just not near as deep. Now, that may be the case, and I don't want to challenge that too strongly, but I wonder if there's an aspect to that that has to do with how we define deep collectively, and maybe we ought to be challenged on that. And so I'm going to challenge you a little bit this morning, but remember we have an entire section on just friendships with people sort of outside the community, and so we'll delve into some of those topics a little bit more. All right, so. It's a good thing that we expect depth in our friendships, I think, although we haven't defined it yet, and I'm not for sure if we'll be able to define it, Uh, but it is good, okay? We want to, but sort of why and what kind of depth are we even talking about in friendships? Josh kind of did a deal about fun versus depth. I'm going to dive a little bit more into that today. Uh, I think the first thing, and this sermon's a little bit all over the place, it has like multiple sets of two points. So I'm not doing the three-point sermon or even a two-point sermon, I'm doing three sets of two. So I just love that, that series of numbers. So we believe relationships have meaning as Christians, okay? This is why we expect depth and friendship. We, we, we gain meaning from the relationships we have. Now, that's not so different from anybody else other than in the world. I think often relationships are one area we gain meaning from, but just as much we gain meaning from who we are, what we've accomplished, where we're from. But as Christians, we primarily put relationships above all else because we have a relationship with our God. And so it makes sense that we would, as Christians... Uh, find meaning in our relationships and see meaning as primarily coming from the health of our relationships with God and with each other. But as Christians, I mean as humans, sorry, we want to control that meaning. Me, me, e, meaning. We want to control it. Okay, We've got to define things how we see them for them to be meaningful, for them to be deep. Uh, Ultimately, our own interests are going to be the things that define this. All right? So um, when I decide depth is talking about emotions or talking about our past or, uh, you know, secrets that we have or maybe deep um, theoretical conversations or issues of justice or important questions or religion, you get the idea we have our own interest in regard to defining depth in relationship. And the problem is these things only, in my mind at least, scratch the surface of what a true, whole, deep relationship really is. And if we get in the habit of trying to control depth from the perspective of what's deep to me, we stunt the growth in our friendships, and more uh, importantly, we don't let God lead a full depth in friendship. We have the meaning, we control definition of it. And we're pursuing relationships with other people who sort of have the same definition as we do. You kind of them with me a little bit? Maybe? Yes? Okay, great. If not, stop me. Okay, so there's just all of these different things that ultimately we define depth and relationship. I mean, it, it could be something as simple as we've had the same experiences uh, or same perspective on life. Again, all of these are an aspect of depth But if we pinpoint them, sort of become obsessed with one or more of these types of depth, uh, we're stunting what our relationships ought to look like. And in an irony, not actually going very deep with people. Okay, so one of the ones for me that's a really easy one, I met with a guy uh, just yesterday, and I had not gotten with him before, and he's a quiet person, and I don't do too well with quiet people. I do well with quiet, awkward people. That's fine, because I can make fun And it's jokes, and we like it. But I don't do well with people who are, like, quiet, but also smart and serious and not awkward. Because the conversation seems forced. And I often define depth by great conversation. And by great conversation, honestly, I define that even more by interesting conversation. (laughs) So if I can just sort of have an interesting conversation with someone, I walk away naturally feeling like we had depth. And so I was kind of walking away from that conversation yesterday, because I'd asked a bunch of questions, mostly kind of interrogating him, because I didn't want any awkward weirdness or silence to happen, and he wasn't ready to talk or ask questions, Um, and realized I had totally treated him like he was a robot, like he was just a a provider of information to me. I controlled the conversation the entire time. I didn't lean into any of the weirdness or awkwardness. I forced my conversation or forced my definition of depth onto him. And in all honesty, I wanted to call him after and be like, all right, so let's just analyze that conversation. What do you think about me? (laughs) Which would have been nice, but incredibly awkward, right? Can't, you know, usually do that. Um, But I just realized. I realized how much my definition of depth, you know, uh, I was kind of trying to control the conversation rather than having just a sort of natural, awkward, first interaction with someone. Um, And uh, so I, I just give you that as an example. So we do this. We do this all the time. Thankfully, the good news of the gospel is that the Holy Spirit cares about our relationships. This is actually really pretty amazing. Um, We were talking in cohort yesterday about marriage, and one of the articles that we read talked about how God cares about your marriage relationship. Not like in general cares about marriages. He cares about your marriage relationship. Like you. You and that person you're married to. And that's kind of crazy that God would think like that about people. He does the same thing with friendships and with other relationships. It's certainly not about marriage. But he really does care about those relationships. So the good news of the gospel is that depth in the kingdom is a full range of humans connecting. All right? A full range of humans connecting variety of different depths, variety of different people, and I'm going to get into this in just a moment, but juxtapose that for a moment, or compare it to a moment, how most Christian and religious environments can become very cultish, and that is really the opposite of how God's kingdom works. When you try to force behavior and force uniformity, and guys, cultish behavior can be shallow or deep. Right? That's, I mean, you can have a cult of everyone just comes together and doesn't talk about anything serious. I mean, tend to be the, most of the time, though, cult is about you know, enforcing certain behavior, not letting any individual speak up or have you know, any sort of natural differences. We're trying to kind of force everybody to be the same. That is the opposite, couldn't be more opposite than God's kingdom. And that shows you just how awful humans are at doing religion apart from God, right? is that our communities simply don't reflect that too often. But it's a good thing uh, that the, in the gospel, uh, depth in the kingdom is really kind of a full range of humans connecting. One of my favorite stories for this is The Samaritan Woman, which has actually been referenced multiple times today. Uh, I know it's not a story about like deep friendship, but it certainly is you know, like maintaining deep friendship. It's more of a story about starting kind of a deep friendship, However we want to phrase that, we have no sense that Jesus has ever had a connection with this person, uh, with the Samaritan lady after that. But the entire conversation is really amazing um, from a variety of, of perspectives, which hopefully I'll make sense of in a moment. And as a side note, guys, I'm kind of toying around with the idea of following the world's example and not Christian's example in regard to talking about friendship. The world is much more open about saying, this is my friend, that is my friend, Christians are too exclusive, I think, sometimes. This is an acquaintance of mine. This is not really a close friendship. I wonder if Jesus really does that and did that with people. He seemed to let everybody in and didn't have sort of varying words to express his closeness to them. And um, so I wonder. I just I, I think about that sometimes, you know, um, in terms of like rating people on a closeness scale. Aren't we all ultimately friends when we follow Jesus and we interact with people, we are their friend, and they are our friend. Anyway, side thought. Okay, so let me mention three kind of things here, and then I'm going to give you some practicals. Uh, I'm trying to make this sermon last long enough for the parents to uh, be able to have a good conversation. Does anybody keep in track of how long I've talked? Because I I really need to do like about 25 minutes. And Lately, I've been preaching these like 15, 20-minute sermons, which is not enough for them. Anybody keeping track of time? Anyone want to help? No? Okay, good, great. Thanks a lot. I, it's been 25 minutes. I was about to say, <laughs> mm, it does have a timer on it. It says 23 minutes, but there's no way that's possible. <laughs> Maybe the announcements. Okay, whatever. Anyway, great. We'll try to get to 11 at least for the parents, for the parents' sake. Okay, so when we when we believe that uh, the good news of the kingdom is that God wants us to have depth. Uh, in a full range of human connections, we okay, have a full range of relationships with all, a variety of different people. Uh, that means that we can have a friendship with anyone across any barrier. And we've talked about this plenty here, so I, I want to be clear that, um, you know, that that's something that we believe and think is important, but we can talk about it all day long. Friendship across barriers is very difficult. This is the stuff of advanced friendship, Okay. Um, it is just really hard, okay? whether that's race, where you're from, age, uh, gender, a variety of different factors. It's just not that easy, and most of us naturally gravitate towards people who are really like us. And one of the biggest testimonies, I think, to looking at Jesus' ministry is just how much he interacted with uh, and had friendships with people of a variety of different Uh, ages and gender and where they're from and all that stuff, particularly in a day and age where it was even harder to do that than it is today. Okay? So, uh, with anyone across any barriers, um, this conversation of boundaries has popped up multiple times. Garrett's going to talk about this a little bit better uh, better in the uh, coming weeks. But I'm just going to say this about boundaries. Guys, if you have boundaries, okay, in your relationships that deal with people, rather than with ideas or relational dynamics or conversations, you're thinking about boundaries wrong. I don't think boundaries should be people, that people we should have, uh, you know, boundaries from people. I mean, unless there's some specific situation where you're a social worker and someone has, you know, an abusive relationship, maybe there should be a boundary from you talking, or you're too alcoholic, shouldn't be really close to each other. There are some examples here, but we shouldn't have boundaries around people. We should have them around ideas, relationship dynamics, all kinds of other things. But too often, I think, we set up barriers our boundaries around certain kinds of people that we're not willing to do friendship with, whether we admit that uh, or not. And you can challenge me on that when we do our Q&A at the end, uh, whatever, but I think that uh, that's pretty important, okay? Because when we have boundaries around what uh, kinds of people we spend time with, we start to get towards that cult mentality of you have to be like us. Yeah, Everyone has to sort of be uniform, and we don't want to do that with God's kingdom because that's not what his kingdom is ultimately made up of. So when you get to heaven, you'll be sorely disappointed that your small you know, segment of, of people really don't make up the rest of the world. Um, and I want to move on to these two that I think are more important. Number one is that depth and friendships ought to be refreshing. Okay? They ought to be refreshing regardless of our differences. Now, don't get me wrong. Um, They're going to be hard, but most things that are refreshing are hard. They're refreshing in the sense that you've accomplished something, there's been purpose through it. Jesus does one of the best Jesus jukes after the Samaritan woman, and the disciples bring him food, and he says, I have food that you know nothing about, right? And he's talking about doing the will of God. There's something in this conversation with this woman uh, that allowed him to be refreshed, from the depth that he experienced in that friendship. And so guys, depth in friendship is refreshing. Again, it's hard because we're dealing with people of different faith measures and levels, different preferences, that different seasons of life. They might be weak. They might be strong. But in those interactions, as they get deeper and deeper, um, not in accordance with just how I define depth, there's a sense that the spirit is actually doing something here. And it goes beyond just us feeling like we're accomplishing something, us feel like we have this friendship relationship, and it's all on us, to where we're open, we open up our eyes to what God is actually doing. It's worship, really, kind of at the basic level, as we begin to see God in his rightful place. When we can really, in a deep relationship with someone very different from us, going through a tough time, we can be refreshed by that relationship. But guys, so many of us talk about relationships only from the perspective of them being draining, If relationship is always a duty to you and an obligation, you're doing it wrong. And I'll speak to myself first here because I am naturally not someone that likes to spend a lot of time with people. And so relationships are fairly draining for me. But I know that there's an an attitude adjustment. And it's a lot like what I've said about retreat uh, a couple weeks back or a week back about I often don't want to get with someone, and then nine times out of ten when I've done it and we've had a good conversation or whatever, we've just spent time together. A lot of my conversations are just hanging out and getting to know people and then every now and again mentioning something important as it comes up. I realize I'm like, why did I hate doing that in the first place? Why was I scared of doing that? Why was you know, that a big deal to me to spend time with that person? So we've got to rediscover some language for relationships refreshing us and not just being draining. God doesn't want us to go out and just pour, 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 pour into other people uh, and then have nothing coming back our way. That's not, number one, good ministry. And number two, good friendships and relationships. That's just not it. Um, and so we, we ought to be refreshed um, in some way by these relationships. And and I think this is a positive refreshment, although I think there's a negative refreshment, if you want to think about it, of Paul talks about multiple times you know, taking on Christ's suffering and that actually refreshing, being rejoiced that he got to be worthy of sharing in Christ's suffering. I don't think that's the kind of refreshment that we're looking for all the time, <laughs> although it does, uh, I think, happen, as we're able to truly suffer for the sake of other people. I think a lot of our lack of refreshment comes from this idea that we're trying to force onto people our own definition of depth and our own definition of meaning, not that we're truly sacrificing ourselves for them. And that should challenge us, I think, to the core uh, of how we think about this stuff. Okay, so that's refreshing regardless of our differences. And, and, and I think this one maybe is the most important, but sometimes the most uh, elusive. And that is uh, depth works towards the wholeness and health of all parties involved. That true depth in friendship is healthy for everybody involved in the relationship. Not just the two there, but everybody around it's for the community. It, it's increasing our health and our wholeness as people. That's what God wants for depth and friendship. And sometimes we get the, you know, I call them suck face friendships, which is really a terrible way of saying that, um, but people who are so, like, infatuated with each other in their friendship that you kind of, like, have this sense that the rest of the world doesn't exist around them. I think Chelsea gave me a word for this. Is that love bombing? More or less? Whatever. Uh, where you're infatuated with your friends. Um, I saw this a lot in college. Uh, I'm not going to lie. It, was, it tended to be with girls and not guys, although it was possible, uh, that just sort of left the rest of the world, and it was just them two and nobody else. That is not the kind of friendship that is you know, healthy and whole and giving life to all the people around them, including those people. But God wants that uh, for us, and depth and friendship should work toward the health and wholeness uh, of, uh, of all parts involved. Gotcha. Yeah. Boring. Just kidding. Okay. You know you. Oh, no, I didn't. You know what's you know what's bad about you adults? Your singing voices are low, and you don't laugh at near as many of my jokes as the college students laugh at. So, you know, this is a tough audience. I miss the college students coming back. Um, So Chelsea mentioned that codependency is when, you know, we're sort of super infatuated with each other, and nobody else really gets benefit from that. And love bombing uh, is more when we are falsely directing something towards someone else, rushing a relationship too soon, giving them a lot of affection, but it's a little bit more one-sided. Okay, Uh, so again, going back to what Jesus says here, literally... It's food that you know nothing about. He is being fed in a way that goes beyond just being fed, you know, from a physical standpoint, by his interaction with this woman, uh, which is a momentary interaction. You can only imagine, uh, you know, how he thinks about that in regard to the close relationships that he has uh, with his disciples. Guys, let me just say something here. We talk sometimes about toxic people and how we can't be around certain toxic people. Again, this to me is about creating barriers or boundaries that are about people, not about behaviors and ideas. We are all toxic. Guess what? We're all toxic people. And I'm not trying to make light of the fact that some of us are more toxic than others, but I think the important aspect here is not how toxic we are, as much as it is are we willing to work on that and at least stick around while you know, that gets chipped away in our life. It's people who refuse to redefine help. Or refuse to get help uh, that we're more worried about. Because people can change. Okay? We all know that. That's actually, I think some of us maybe take that for granted. Because a lot of people don't believe that naturally. We believe that as disciples. And so putting a a, a boundary or a barrier up to relationships because someone is a toxic person. Whatever that means. I don't think that's very fair. And we ought to be very cautious and wise in, in how we think about that okay? Uh, as Al used to say, your, your misery can become your ministry. Sometimes it's those very toxic people that God uses to turn around a 180, and those are some of our most in-depth relationships, sometimes, not all the time. There's a lot more risk there, uh, but that does happen. So let me give you a few practicals uh, based on all this stuff that I just said, and then we uh, will take some questions, answers. So I, I broke up these practicals in sets of two, Um, because I think they kind of work together. So this first set of two is that friendships aren't interviews, all right? They aren't interviews. Let me explain. So tell the truth. (laughs) Tell the reality, not just what you think. Too many of us think authenticity is telling people what we think. That is not telling the truth. What we think is not the reality of the world around us. Just blah, vomiting everything that you think or feel is not the definition of a close relationship, okay? Being comfortable with someone, being honest about, hey, this is what I think. Do you hate me? Uh, that's depth, but we've got to tell the truth, okay? Most of us in interviews don't tell the truth. <laughs> We're framing everything that we say, right? Um, and you know, even the opposite of framing the DGAF, That's not okay either, because that's not the truth. Is that still a word? Do people use that phrase? D-G-A-F? What? Okay, whatever. You don't know what it means? I'm not going to tell you or Leslie, because I will get in trouble. Um, Good. Uh, I know, yeah. So tell the truth. Friendships aren't interviews. We need to tell the truth, And, and the truth is about reality, okay? It's learning to be able to talk through things that are real, and part of that reality and what's so important about relationships is that our reality is often skewed, and so when a person responds to us or gives us perspective, we're learning about reality, <laughs> because we don't, might not already know it. Um, maybe more important for some of us to hear is just get over rocky starts. A lot of relationships have rocky starts, you know? <laughs> I think back to that Chandler interview on Friends where he's, like, he's being coached not to like make jokes. And uh, the guy kept saying things like duties, and (laughs) finally after the interview when he gets the job, he's like, poo, poo, you know, like poo, duties. Uh, Only one person is laughing because I remember this moment. And, you know, he said, oh, call security, crazy guy in the hall, you know, totally didn't get that job. Um, But that's the idea, right, is get over rocky starts. Do you really, in a relationship with someone, want some smooth-talking uh, you know, a you know, person who can really, like, you know, say all the right things, ask all the right questions, uh, who's just good at that, or someone who's really sincere, but a little bit awkward or weird or whatever. We've got to kind of let the weirdness sink in um, in our relationships, and particularly in our conversations. It's, it's a hump up, up front. And too many of us, we treat our friendships like interviews, where we, if someone really is impressive in our first couple conversations, we're like, oh, shoot, yeah, you know? Uh, Garvin used the word vibing uh, yesterday. If we're vibing with them, you know, maybe we're like, oh yeah, okay, that'll be a deep relationship. But not often ready to get over some of those rocky start uh, kind, of, kind of relationships. So get over it. Alright, that's the first two. So tell the truth, get over it. The second set is friendships are a two-way street, but the speed limit sometimes is different on either side. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say about that one. <laughs> I know that doesn't exist in reality. That's why it's a metaphor or an analogy or something. Okay? Friendship is a two-way street, but sometimes the speed limit is different on either side, okay? Guys, you got to let your guard down with people and let them respond. Uh, Don't just soak in negativity. When someone is talking at you, okay, unless you feel that they really need to vent in this situation, soaking in that negativity and that, you know, um, kind of false presentation of reality is not good for you or for them, don't Christianize and spiritualize this nonsense While well, I'm just listening. You are not a counselor or a therapist. You are a friend, and there's nothing in the way Jesus responded to people or interacted with people that says that we need to just sit there like an inhuman robot and just listen to people talk at us. That is not okay, okay? We need to be able to respond, insert ourselves, stop, and just sort of like, whoa, this is too much, Whatever that, uh, that is, and there's a lot of, um, I think, wisdom, and you know, we have to kind of think through all of those, but we uh, are called in the scripture to listen to people for sure and to listen carefully, but that doesn't mean that we turn off our humanness and just become a sounding board uh, for people to talk at us. And we're told in Scripture to use the, the Bible to rebuke, correct, teach, rebuke. There has to be some response here in a relationship. And that's what I mean by two-way street. Uh, you know, If someone was you know, starting up their negativity with me and they're a close friend of mine, we've been friends for a while, I might be able to cut that off fairly quickly. Okay? We're on the same sort of speed. But if someone has a new relationship or whatever, I'm going to give them a lot more um, you know, leeway To be able to kind of say what they're saying do what they need to do and I'm not going to jump in so quick just because I'm uncomfortable in the conversation two different speeds there the point is though there should still be some speed it's two-way street okay you're not just sitting as a passenger in their car and letting them take you on a dangerous journey (laughs) Um, there has to be some response in those relationships Uh, the second one is uh, sharing too much too soon maybe this is the love bomb stuff Uh, Sharing too much too soon, sharing too much with those who ultimately can't help, controlling conversations, um, you know, ultimately feeling like we're the savior of other people, just these unhealthy things that kind of come into our relationships. We ought to be pretty natural and normal with people. And we, someone, I mentioned that to someone the other day, and they're like, what does that mean? How can anybody define what's natural and normal? Listen, if it feels really weird to you or feels kind of creepy or guilty or, you know, some of us have like a natural ability to understand those things. You need to sort of lean into that and really think and stop and ask good questions, all right? Um, and I know that nobody can, can define normal and natural for anybody because we're pretty different. Um, But there are a lot of times in conversations I have to sort of put a pause button on it because I'm like, this is not okay. What are we talking about now? Um, You know, so yeah, I'll just say that uh, this one kind of all fits into a category of um, maybe just uh, sort of unhealthy dynamics in friendships uh, that, that sort of one person is responsible for. Because guys, ultimately, when we allow that stuff early on in a relationship, it can easily define the relationship moving forward. Uh, same thing with shallow in depth. Uh, when we aren't upfront about who we are and what we expect from friendships, those friendships can easily become friendships where we've just accepted, 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 and a year down the road we look and we think, man, this is not very healthy. And putting the brakes or, you know, reversing on those relationships are always a lot more difficult uh, than starting them up, not to say that they're not possible. Okay. And so uh, ultimately, though, I think in this one, and one of the ones that I have to kind of think through uh, often, is if you have friendships that, where your conversation is sort of the only thing that really draws you together, there's no real life experience lived around that. That's not any healthier either. You know, Paul, in a really out of context verse here, says the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. You know, friendships have power to change us. Uh, it isn't just, a, you know, one hour a week or a month where we get together and just talk um, about important things. In fact, I think a sign of a good friendship is often that you can be comfortable with someone not talking at all, or you can have multiple conversations in a row that don't have a lot of substance necessarily, meaning you're not like, talking about the most deep things in the world, but that any time those things come up, uh, you have a quick ability to jump right in it and, um, and talk about those things and actually address them. Okay? So with all that said, I know that was a lot and kind of overwhelming, but you, know, you can do your Q&A thing here in a moment. Um, I just want to conclude with saying that friendship, I think, is a very rare club, you know, really whole and healthy friendships, more so in my mind than even than marriage. Okay? Now, I'm not going against what I said in the first place about calling everybody friends. Remember my distinction at the early point of this is having friend, being a friend. We can be a friend to anybody. But to me, um, the goals are similar, is that you see someone for who they are and stay with them anyway, okay? That is true friendship. Seeing who people are, really knowing them, not being uh, surprised or not being, you know, um, uh, know, refusing to see them for who they really are, okay, or deal with them who they really are and staying with them anyway. And I'm not talking about siding with them uh, when they're wrong. I'm talking about seeing who they really are and then really staying uh, with them. And for many of us, that's a kind of a tough thing to do. All right, so questions about this, uh, this sermon? Or this uh, series of random thoughts? Yeah, Justin. Yeah. A cult is, in my mind, just a, an organization that is um, fixed around a corporate set of shared ideas that no individual can really permeate or... Um, Uh, speak into or influence. And a lot of times that's built around a cult of personality. It's built around some organization, built around people at the top doing all the things that they tell other people below them not to do. Um, But I think the kingdom of God works the opposite. It's from the ground up, and it's about everybody having a voice, and in some ways the weaker people having more of a voice than the stronger people, as Paul would say in 1 Corinthians uh, um, 8 and then in Romans 6 uh, so, I think that's just sort of the upside down view of that. That, you know, when we're in our church, if any Christian church that tries to do deep relationships gets at some point uh, accused of being a cult. Because, you know, people in the world are just not used to having any structure of relationships around them. They, their idea is that I do whatever I want, whenever I want, and we should all just be sort of free flowing and organic, and there's, you know, no higher power in the sense or higher higher thoughts about friendship. Of course, the irony to that is that, that as humans, we naturally gravitate towards cults um, where, where our own individual things are sort of you know, surpassed by being a part of a group that we feel really good about. So there's lots of cults in the world that don't get talked about. We just talk about religious cults because they're more kind of scary and damaging. Um, so my quick definition of that would simply be that when you're in an environment where your individual um, you know, background, uniqueness, those things are suppressed um, and there's uh, sort of no room for you to interact uh, with the people around you. every, every idea, every uh, belief, everything is already pretty fixed. Um, then that's a problem. God's very diverse and I'm d- defining cult in a really, really broad way. Uh, ultimately, you know the biggest proof of a cult is that they're very damaging towards people. Uh, God doesn't, uh, you know, he works for our wholeness and our completeness. Other questions? Are we good? I don't even know if the adults have had enough time. So, I think, not adults, <laughs> the parents. Yeah, let's let's start defining adults now even more specifically. So it's not, now it's not, you can't, college you can't be an adult anymore, but now you have to have a kid to be an adult. I like that. I think that's good. We'll just keep defining adults even more specifically. Okay, well then we'll be done. And then we'll let those uh, parent folks, you know, meet as long as they... Want to? I just thought my joke last week was so funny that like you'll walk up there and all of them are just asleep. Um, it's like the first time they've been able to sleep, and you know, it's, no, not that funny. All right. God, you are uh, our friend and the model of friendship. Uh, I pray that you would just rattle us a little bit in our relationships and our friendships um, to be uh, people who are more accepting of others that don't. Uh, act like we want them to or be like we want them to and to really have friendships that uh, cross all of the barriers that uh, the world puts on them and that we put on them and that we would really reflect uh, how good and great uh, and varied your kingdom is in our relationships with each other and that our friendships in this church uh, will contribute to the wholeness and health of all of us Um, and that uh, your spirit would work powerfully.